If you have your Bibles in here again, I believe God has a word for us. And um, we are going to find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to be looking in verse 17 through 20 tonight. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. Last Sunday night, we looked at Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a leader. And we, we, we are talking about leadership. So, brother, you've picked a good night to be with us. Amen. Brother Mark is a leader. Yep. Yep. And uh, we need leaders who love the Lord Jesus and are like Nehemiah's. Nehemiah was determined. Why was he determined? He was determined because... God laid upon his heart. God gave him a burden to rebuild the walls at Jerusalem. He was determined that he was going to do God's work. Now, I know uh, preachers, politicians are always an easy target to use and lawyers. Politicians and lawyers, we can, we, can, we can nail them all the time, can't we? And the truth of the matter is... Because the Bible tells us, Romans 13 especially, tells us that God can allow authorities to be in the place of where they're at, but the Lord can also take them out. Our job is to pray for our elected officials. Amen? That's what our job is. Well, I don't agree with everything that's going on. Well, I don't either. That's beside the point. The point is, we have to pray for them. We have to pray for God to do a work in their life. And they may not realize it. I don't know if Brother Mark realizes it. But even though he's a senator, I believe he's doing God's work. And so with that in mind, I thought, man, this, this is good, Lord, thank you. We're seeing, first of all, that uh, Nehemiah had a faith that was waiting. Remember, the word came to him that the Jerusalem, the walls have gone down, uh, the gates are, are burning. So four months, remember, we talked about it. For four months, he had this burden. And he was asking God, God, just give me an opportunity. And so we know that uh, he goes uh, and the king asked him the question. And because of that, Nehemiah uh, had been praying for this. So it was not a surprise to Nehemiah. Nehemiah has been praying. Is that described your prayer life? When you pray, do you expect God to answer your prayer? Uh, it's amazing to me and amazing uh, to many, I would think, is that sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray and we're seeking God and we're asking God and we're pleading with God. And then God chooses the answer uh, that we've been praying for and we're kind of like caught by surprise. We shouldn't be surprised. When God's will is to be done, it's worth waiting for. And so Nehemiah found the right time. And then his waiting faith turned into asking faith. Remember, the king says, what do you need, Nehemiah? <laughs> Nehemiah says, oh man, this is good. He says, well, here's what I need. I need some time off. Remember, he was the cupbearer. Not anybody could do this job. 
It's not like he says, oh, and the, the king would say, I'll just go ahead and grab anybody. You just don't grab anybody. He had to make sure that uh, the one that he was going to pick was uh, faithful to him and that he could trust and all that. But he goes and he says, okay, Nehemiah, how much time do you need? Nehemiah gave him a time frame. He says, that's good. He said, and then Nehemiah, remember? Nehemiah says, oh, by the way, since you've asked, I also need the materials. Now, Nehemiah did his homework. He knew the, uh, the one who was the, uh, the keeper of the forest, uh, of the king's forest. And so he says, I need some letters. And so he wrote the letters. He wrote the letter uh, to the one who was the keeper of the forest. And so he got all his materials. Now, I'm telling you, Nehemiah, when he was waiting, he waited and waited. God opened the door. He knew it was of God. And so when he went through that door and he was asked, what do you need? He didn't just say, well, this will be okay. He went ahead and asked for everything he needed. Everything he needed, he asked for. Now, because of that, we've come to this verses 17 through 20, and we see that now his waiting faith, which turned into asking faith, is now going to be a challenging faith. Nehemiah is going to challenge the people to do the work of the Lord. So look at verse number 17. This is what the word of the Lord says. Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, uh, and how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the walls of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. And so now he's challenging them. He's challenging. He says, now, listen guys, we got a work to do. It's a work of God. And so his leadership uh, comes into play. He's challenging them. Now, look at verse number 18. He says, and then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and let us build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. And so here he says, Now listen guys, I know this is of God. Let me tell you how I know it's of God. He talks to them about the conversation that he had with the king. And he says that this is how this is all felt. And so now they're listening to him. And so the, being the leader that he's at, uh, he realizes the credit that needs to be due. He says this is of God because God made all this happen. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that we have uh, a shepherd. Uh, and when he comes, we need to be ready to say, let's rise up and let's build and let's go to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they said, let's build. We're ready to go. Now look at verse 19. But when Sambalit uh, and the uh, Horonite and Tobiah, the servant and the Amorite and Agishem, uh, the uh, Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn, and they despised us, and they said, What is this thing that you do? 
Will ye rebel against the king? So these are the three enemies. We see it all through Nehemiah is that he had enemies. I want you to know, church, when someone comes and says, let's do this for the glory of God. When everyone says, yeah, we're ready to build, you can go ahead, mark it down, count on it. There will be opposition from the enemy. There will be opposition. Some people, I heard them say, well, how do you determine it's God's will? Well, it's God's will if everything goes smooth. My dear friend, I believe it's even more evidence it's God's will when there's opposition. Because Satan does not want the walls to be rebuilt. Satan doesn't want the, the Word of God to get out like we've just heard tonight. Uh, Satan doesn't want the church to get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ and go out and make a difference in the life of the community in which God has placed them. Opposition will come. But then he goes on, and then look at verse number 20. Then answered I them, and said unto them, Oh, I like his answer. He says, The God of heaven, he will prosper us, therefore... We, his servants, will rise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Nehemiah, because he knew this is a work of God, and even though he got opposition, he says, you can go ahead and you can throw your best shot, but I'm telling you, we're going to rise up and we're going to build. Hillcrest Baptist Church, we need to go ahead, get it settled, make that commitment, and not back up. We will do the work of God in this community. We will not stop. We will not shut up. We're going to rise up because this is a work of God. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the work of God. God is wanting to do something special here. And He wants to do something special in this community very quickly. First of all, we see that Nehemiah, the leadership capabilities that he had. I want you to notice, if you go back to chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, the word usage is a little bit different. He uses more times over. He uh, talks about uh, uh, you and them. But notice here, Nehemiah, because of his leadership uh, capabilities, he started to use the words we and us. A good leader recognizes the fact that it takes a team. A good leader realizes he's not going to get the work done by himself. My dear friends, we tonight need to also let uh, Senator Mark know that he's fighting a tough fight. He's up there with those that are rattling, those that are going to scorn, those that are going to ridicule, and all of that. But he needs to recognize the fact, we don't, don't expect him to do it by himself, but we're going to come along with him, and if nothing else, pray for him, because there is power in prayer. And so uh, he goes, now two things that he had overcome. Remember, Nehemiah was an outsider. A lot of times people just don't like outsiders. Outsiders have a tendency to bring in some new ideals. And let's just be honest, 
we kind of get settled in our old ways and uh, we are thinking, I don't know about this. So he had overcome that. Nehemiah knew that. Nehemiah also had to overcome because they've tried to rebuild the, uh, if you go to Ezra chapter 4, they tried to build the walls before and that didn't work. And so he had to go ahead and know there's going to be somebody that's going to stand up and say, hey, 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 wait a minute, Nehemiah. We've tried this before. Didn't work. Why bother doing it again? Well, the reason why Nehemiah said we need to do it again because he'd gotten a word from God. And, and, and but then there's... Is that not only that, is that, to well, we've never done this before. What do you mean? Don't you understand the, 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 the issues? Don't you understand the opposition that's coming our way? My dear friend, I'm telling you that uh, when we hear a word from God, that helps us not to back up. But we got to make sure it's a word from God. Okay? Y'all with me? Everybody okay? Now, here's some things. First of all, we see that uh, the, the leadership and uh, that he's uh, getting the team together and he's rallying the troops, so to speak. Uh, we see that uh, uh, he now has to stand. He has to stand against the opposition that has come his way. We find that in verse number 10 where the opposition gets word of that and they say, well, we can't let this go on. Now, notice the tactic they use. The weapon they use is ridicule. Notice in the text that we read, it says that they laughed at us into scorn. They ridiculed them. I came across this quote, ridicule is a weapon that people will use when they don't have any other weapons. You've all witnessed that, have you not? They start to ridicule you. Says, you're nuts, man. What you mean, you mean you think you can go uh, to Capitol Hill in Nashville and try to make a difference? What's wrong with you, man? You, you mean, and so they use ridicule. But I want you to know, when we get ridiculed for doing the work of the Lord, we're in pretty good company. Because the last time I checked, Isaiah 53.3, the last time I checked, our Lord Jesus was ridiculed. And He was mocked. He was laughed about. But aren't you glad he didn't back up? Aren't you glad he followed through with the work that had been given to him? Because if he didn't do that, every one of us would be doomed and destined to a place called hell. I'm glad that he listened to the ridicule. I'm glad he followed through because he knew this was the Father's will. And when you know it's the Father's will, you can take ridicule. But we also see... Not only has he been ridiculed, but uh, you remember Paul, the Apostle Paul? Festus said, man, you're out of your mind. You're nuts. Anybody ever said that you're crazy because you just love Jesus and you're going around and you're witnessing to people and you're trying to tell them that we have a God that can do wonderful, marvelous things. And they look at you and say, they're a bunch of nuts over in 621 Hartsville Pike. Nutcases, every one of them. Yep. I want you to know, 
I am a nut, but I'm a nut for Jesus. Amen. Hey, if they're going to call us a nut, let's make sure we're nuts about Jesus. Hey, you know, when they tell us that you're a bunch of fools, I'm a fool for Jesus. That's pretty good company to be in, is it not? And so also, notice this. Remember at the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit sat down on them, and they went around and said, those, oh man, they're all drunk. Yeah, they were drunk. They were drunk because of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing to me. Oh, by the way, this is not just outside. Sometimes we get it inside. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, and when you have a service like we had this morning, I guarantee you there's going to be somebody that might have been here that's gone home and says, that is the craziest bunch of people I've ever saw in my life. Well, glory to God. And so, ridicule. Now, how did Nehemiah handle it? Well, he could have handled it in different ways. First of all, he could have totally ignored it. He says, I ain't bothering with him. He didn't do that. Or he could have gone ahead and said, well, you know what? Let's sit down and let's talk about this, boys. But he didn't do that. Why? Could it be that Nehemiah says, why do I give them another opportunity to go ahead and to push back even more. He didn't do any of that. What did he do? He just went and did what the Lord Jesus told him to do. He did what God told him to do. Now, how do we come about? Very quickly here. First of all, how do we come to this point? First of all, you have to have a burden. You have to have a burden. Do we have a burden Do we have a burden for lost people in this community? Do we have a burden of the uh, opioid uh, addiction and and the epidemic that's sweeping our community, not only the community, but this uh, state and this nation? Do we have a burden for those who are trapped in in prostitution and and all the other things that goes uh, in in the drug world? Do we really have a burden? There are people and we have children that are going hungry because mom and daddy's strung up on dope and, and we go ahead. Do we really have a burden for these people? Because if we don't have a burden for them, we're not going to be involved in the work. Got to have a burden. Do you have a burden? Church, do we have a burden for a lost and dying community? But also, we got to have patience. Remember, four months, Nehemiah knew this is what he's supposed to do, but he was patient. Sometimes we want to outrun God, don't we? Don't like to wait, not going to wait. Let's go ahead and make it happen. I've heard someone even say, hey, let's just do something even though it's wrong. Well, that's real intelligent advice. No, we're waiting on God. But then, notice Nehemiah, he used others. Church, if we're going to do this work that God's laid before us, we're going to have to do it together. We need one another. Because this is a work that cannot be done without us working together. But then there has to be a motive. What is our motive? Is our motive that we want to bring glory to Him? 
Or is our motive for being involved in this work want to bring glory to us? Well, it's got a little touchy. What is our motivation for doing what we're doing? So somebody can recognize me. So someone can uh, uh, see me in town and say, hey, and then they have somebody with them and says, I want you to know, oh, you ought to know, you ought to see what this man has done. Or is our motive, I just don't care if I get recognized. I don't care if I get any applause. I don't care if I get to be on the stage. All I care about is I want to see the work of the Lord to bring glory and honor into Him. By the way, if you have any uh, other motive, you are doing it for the wrong reason. And we've said it many times over and we'll continue to say it. This thing is not about us, but it's about Him. And, but then He goes, not only that is, uh, is my, do I really, when, when I'm involved in this work, am I doing it because I want others to follow Jesus or to follow me? Now let's go ahead and we'll be transparent. We have too much in the church today where we have lifted up the spiritual leadership upon a pedestal to where many are following the man and not following him. I'm telling you, the church is in trouble. And I know, I know we gravitate towards me, but I'm telling you, we are not following a person we are following the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the reason why we're doing what we're doing now. What it goes on. And then he uh, says, okay, are we clinging to the past? This morning, God was awesome. Hey, that was this morning. We can't camp out on this morning. Do we have a desire? Even though the past is, oh, this church has had a wonderful past. We've seen God move in miraculous ways uh, in the past. But I'm telling you, we cannot camp out in the past. We ought to have a strong desire. The reason why I want to be involved in this work is because I want to see the new thing He has stores for me. I'm telling you, I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited about what happened. Yes, I'm excited about the baptism waters. Yes, I'm, I'm all excited about that. But what excites me even more is what God is wanting to do with us. And He wants to do much, much more than you can think or comprehend. Why? Because He's God. And He says in His Word, He wants to do a new thing. Many churches have lost sight of what God is wanting to do with them now because they're so wrapped up in the past that they have become spiritual has-beens. Spiritual has-beens. Nehemiah understood that. Now, I want you, uh, very quick, in chapter 2, in verse number 4, I want you to look as we go through very quickly the so's. S-O, so. Look, in, in chapter 2, Verse number four, he says, so I prayed. Uh, in verse number 11, he says, so I came to Jerusalem. And in verse number 18, uh, so I strengthened my hands 
for this good work. Well, then he goes on and he says in uh, chapter 4, verse number 6, he says, so we built the wall. And then in verse number 21, it says, and so we labored in the work. And then in chapter 6, in verse number 15, we see that the, so the wall was finished. So... So, I prayed. So, we worked. So, we did it together. So, so, so. And then, as he closes this out, he says, And the work was done. Church, that applies to a wall. That does not apply to the spiritual kingdom. Because until the Lord Jesus Christ comes to get, the work is never done. We need to continue and we need to keep on keeping on for the glory of God. But then we, as we look and we see, first of all, and in uh, Corinthians here, and in First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse number uh, fifty-eight. Listen, and we're fix, we're fixing to close. He says, "My beloved brethren, be steadfast." Paul speaking here. He says, "Brothers, uh, sisters, be steadfast. Be unmovable. Don't back up." Stay, put your, put, put, uh, keep on, keeping on. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing, knowing what? That your labor is in, is not in vain. Paul closes there in Corinthians. He says, the work we need to be steadfast at. We need to be having a waiting faith, an asking faith, and a challenging faith. He says, now it's going to get difficult. You're going to see as you continue reading through Nehemiah, this work was a difficult work. But he says, when you're doing the work, and when you're laboring for the Lord Jesus, it will not come in vain. One day, one day, one day, He's going to welcome us and He'll say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Nehemiah was a spiritual leader because of his waiting, his asking, and is challenging. Tonight, Hillcrest family, is that our heart? Is that our heart? Are we going to rise up and to say, sign me up. Let's go build that wall for the glory of God.